0: Hello and welcome to Decoding the Gurus, the podcast where an anthropologist and a psychologist listen to the greatest minds the world has to offer and we try to understand what they're talking about. I'm Professor Matt Brown, a professor of psychology, since Chris wants to be specific, and with me is Associate Professor Chris Kavanaugh of anthropology or something like that. Uh, he's the man who puts the white into whiteness, my beloved co-host.
1: Welcome, Chris. Ah. I don't know which comment to take issue with, but I just realized it's redundant for you to mention which discipline we're involved with, because it's in the very first sentence of the introduction. So you don't need to do that, Matt. Whoever told you to do that, just ignore them. They're an idiot.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. I I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, who would do that?
0: But you don't have any issue with me. You know, you know you're very, very white. I mean, and I don't mean like culturally or sociologically, I just mean physically, it's not your fault. You just are like the whitest person I know.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good that you made that distinction because we all know that the Irish people are the only non-white white people.
0: <laughs> this is true.
1: We are oppressed, Matt. People have referred to us as the benighted population of Western Europe. We're the occupied six counties. So, but- Yeah. You're not a settler colonist. Is what yeah, although We are like we've we've like a long history of being involved in that. So, so un- <laughs> unfortunately,
0: no, no. But those are the expatriates. Once they leave that Emerald
1: Isle, <laughs> that's right. Once you go out of Ireland, whatever you do, that <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is a terrible take that I've seen various Irish people issue in the past. But yes, I am physically very white, and I'm aware of that. Matt. I don't try to adjust that with artificial exposure to the sun (laughs) or or (laughs) colorings and additives to my skin. I am what I am, as noted philosopher Popeye once said. That's good.
0: You're secure in it. You're comfortable with it. That's good. And I do not add any additives to my skin. I didn't didn't say
1: you. I just, you know, (laughs) just made the general comment. Don't be so Mm -hmm. sensitive. Be so sensitive. You look like someone... You sometimes have a spring in your step at this time of the morning, but today you look particularly Ah. gum, almost like you didn't have your morning swim and your hormone levels are out of sync. Are you all right?
0: This is true, people. I got in the car. I drove 25 minutes to the pool to do my morning laps because I'm a good person and I'm following my regime and there's a goddamn festival or some nonsense going on there and I had to turn around and go home well i didn't go straight home i thought i would go and get some nice black gravel for my aquarium that i'm setting up and i went to the hardware store and i found some black gravel the only stuff they had i was like great at least i've accomplished this it wasn't a total write-off and i looked at the back and in big red letters it said dangerous for aquarium life i had to put it back so i went back dejected to my car and toddled home to meet you
1: A productive morning, a productive morning. And on the subject of health related matters, the listeners will not be able to see it, but I'll let them hear it. (laughs) Hear that that noise. That's a water bottle, Matt, because I have successfully replaced my morning coffees with water and I've I've done this for a couple of weeks. So I feel like I can now announce it to the world. Goodbye, sweet coffee. Hello, healthy bottled water. (laughs) <laughs> Chris, I've
0: told you this before, but nobody cares. It's like Alan Partridge's Toblerone addiction. It's the weakest possible addiction you could possibly have. Oh, you, you are
1: wrong, man. You are wrong. If you want to see how much people care, just mention anything about not drinking coffee or whatever on Twitter. You will get thousands, thousands of recommendations for artisanal coffee and specific beans roasted in the furnace of hell that you know will will enable you to consume it with your heart's content i i just have very modest goals i just want to stop consuming a particular brand of coffee that i take too much of in the it's working that's it there's no there's no greater schema that's that's no. all. And it's working. No, I, I agree.
0: That's the most modest goal I can possibly imagine. So congratulations. But you're right about Twitter. If you mention anything about trying to give up something, or as I did, foolishly mentioning that I was going on a diet.
1: Oh, no, don't do that. Which just means
0: just eating slightly less, right? It doesn't mean I'm eating only meat or only eating hydrolyzed, deoxygenated food or some weird shit. I'm just eating slightly fewer calories. That's all I meant by it. And yeah, I got a lot of suggestions. Diet culture, Chris. Diet culture.
1: don't do that. Don't (laughs) don't talk about it, Matt. Don't talk about it. But we're going to, this week, be uncharacteristically succinct and get into the interview proper. But before that, I thought that I might play you a little clip from a guru of old who had a take that was pretty impressive. I don't think you're going to have heard it, Matt. Okay. So I'll paint you a picture. This is Jordan B. Peterson discussing with Andy No. Antifa. And Andy Noe is a noted culture war critic. Uh, some might describe him as an extremely unreliable, partisan, conspiracy theorist type person covering the far left and Antifa and so on. And he's conversing with Jordan Peterson and he wants to ask him, what is psychological insight into what Antifa do? And whatever your position on Antifa, I think you should be able to enjoy Jordan Peterson's take. So here we go. What, what is the psychology of this mob
0: violence? When I see it, it, it uh, like I, I don't even recognize some of these. It seem, they seem animalistic is what I mean. Um, in no, they're the worse animal- than
2: animals. They're worse than animals, because
0: animals, they just
3: kill to eat, you know? Human beings, they have a twist in them that makes them far worse than animals when they really get going. Well, I think it's, I think, you really want to know what I think? I think it's revenge yes. against God for the crime of being. That's really what I think. It's Cain, and C- Cain and Abel. It's like, oh, Abel's your, Abel's your guy, Hey, God? How about if I take him out in the field and beat him to death? How do you feel about that? All my sacrifices went unrewarded. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's what it is at the bottom of the hell of things.
0: Is he? Cro- <laughs> <laughs> Does he, Was yeah, he breaking up?
1: It? <laughs> yeah, uncharacteristically, he broke into tears a little bit at the end of it.
0: Well, that escalated quickly. That's a definitely. That's a tear. That's a that's a, that's that's a, a, hell of a tear
1: element here. Yeah. You know, you've gone to the extremes when you have a demonizing quote about Antifa and Andy Ngo is rendered speechless, (laughs) but that's (laughs) like, you know, well, you want to know what I think? And he was probably thinking, yeah, you know, give me some psychological insight and it's a crime against God for the sin of being. (laughs) 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 he's like trying
0: to find a way to get on board with that. Dear idea. that's um, poor, he's not well. poor, 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 poor J.B.P. I mean, we can't... I, I actually feel sad listening to that because it means that I don't think we can really dunk on J.B.P. anymore because he's he's past a threshold to... You know, uh, he's, uh, unwell. he's unwell.
1: He shouldn't be in a lecture hall telling people about how to live their life or his theories about the issues of the day when this is the quality of his thought. And, like, the mental instability, the emotional breakdown, that's not a good sign. Like that was him talking about Cain and Abel and beating up Abel and the, or Cain or whichever one it was, he did that. And yeah, it's, it was enough to move him the tears. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: these things, these political things that happen, they're all expressions of biblical proportions of deep yeah. underlying conflict between man and God.
1: You're missing out, though, if you can't see the video of that, because Andy Nose face actually is registered speechless at that thing. so I just think he was not expecting that.
0: It, it must be an interesting thing for all of these ideological culture war partisans who get in bed with people of a similar ilk, and then, you know, JVP is not the only one, because many of them just go off the rails, and I, I do yeah. wonder what the, what they're thinking? Do do they ever think hmm. internal
1: monologue? Yeah. Do, do
0: they ever? Does it ever make them reconsider and think? Maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe different life choices. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm not on the side of the angels here, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think a similar thing happens when James Lindsay gives his take to Glenn Beck about communism and the fascism, and the fascism and the communism. You can see. Yeah the reaction is one of like the facial expression is is a mask of I- inner turmoil of what do I do with this? <laughs> you know, again, <laughs> can I use this? Should I agree with this? Should I say this is too much? I think Andy No was similarly like Antifa are against the crime of being. Are they joking? Okay? <laughs> 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 <Guess> so, <laughs> yeah. and
0: of course, they want to be on board with it. Like, they want to find a way to bring it back from, from the depths of crazy, but yeah, they're a bit stumped. Yeah. Dear yeah. Oh
1: so, that from very contemporary discourse, we're now going to jump back with a special episode looking at a historical guru, a real guru, Reverend Moon from the Unification Church, sometimes called the Moonies. And We're looking at some video content of some lectures and promotional material that he made. But this is a slight departure from our usual content because it is somebody who's broadly recognized as a religious cult leader. And so we're not looking at a figure who falls into the secular contemporary guru space. But this should serve as an interesting point of comparison. And I think you'll notice. That there are some clear differences, things that we don't normally deal with, especially around religious topics. But there are also some parallels in regards to obfuscation and levels of confidence and that kind of thing. So yeah, it it should be an interesting departure complemented with our previous guest, Elgin Street from the Falling Out podcast. Let's do it. Okay, so we are back with Elgin Street from the Falling Out podcast to talk about a topic that he's not known to discuss often. He's rarely mentioned it, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Reverend Moon, also known as the Mooney. So we did something a little bit different than usual. We went and looked at content from a an actual religious guru or cult leader, and we took two pieces of content. One is from the God Bless America Festival in 1976. And you'll hear when we play the clips, there's a kind of 70s vibe to it. And the other one was from a 2001, I think, yeah, event. A one. They're both these events seemingly promoting ecumenical ecumenism, but right? Like on the surface level, it looks like they're talking about Hollywood. Christians should be united as one and America.
4: Yeah, that, that was one of the themes that they were trying to latch on throughout the whole history of the Moonies. At one point, they actually had a, the technical name was the, the Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianities. So specifically sort of talking about trying to bring all these Christian denominations together and, you know, worship God, but also, oh, by the way, worship moon as part of that And that was kind of like the bait and switch that they would do. They're like, Hey, we're going to do this big thing. We're all going to get together and worship God together. And then at the end of it, Moon would come on and talk about how he was the new Messiah and would ask people to then pledge allegiance to him.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about it because it seems like it comes in pretty late to the pitch and it's not really emphasized as a, (laughs) like an important thing. It's more just, Oh, won't you stand with me and raise your hands to say, thanks. (laughs) The Reverend Minister is There's some parts where it's not even clear that they mean Moon. I mean, it is clear to them, yeah. but I think that all the Christians, it sounds like they're talking about Jesus. So,
4: yes. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of the dynamic that we talked about in the last episode where they stage these events and outsiders see it one way and insiders perceive it another way. And mm. the the, to the insiders, they look at that and they hear the language in their own terms, and they think it's all these people that are now agreeing to moon being the second coming, whereas these other yeah. people are just kind of like, well, I thought we were talking about something else, but the purpose is served. Cause th- the Moonies feel like they're being, they're getting that external validation.
1: Yeah. And then I'm, I'm jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit, Elgin, yeah. but just for people listening, I want to mention that Matt is here. He's just a, a ghost-like figure in the background because we are recording early in the morning and his old bones are warming up. So so my your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's right. Very weak. Weak and spongy. Eldon, we recorded
0: that uh, first interview with you about a week ago. So what are your thoughts on that? Did you have anything? Any questions any yeah.
4: on sitting with it a little I'd, bit? Yeah. yeah, I did. So so thanks for... That was a really, really fun thing to do and uh, you know, delighted to to have the opportunity to do that with you guys. Just a, a few things came to mind. So first and foremost, I need to correct myself. So I mentioned that someone had recently spoken at a Mooney event. I called him Juan Manuel Barroso. In the recording, his name is actually Jose Manuel Barroso. He's a guy who... He's actually former prime minister of Portugal, former chairman of the European Council, current chairman at Goldman Sachs, who has recently been speaking at Mooney events. Um, so correction there, that's his real name, Jose Manuel Barroso. I think also in, in terms of just kind of thinking about that recording, I, I feel completely unable to, to adequately describe the multitude of grifts that the Unification Church employs. So we talked about a handful of them. But there are so many more, and I just feel like I could do a a whole podcast that would never end just on that topic. So yeah, I just want to make it clear that we, we like barely scratched the surface of that topic. And then the, the other thing I was just thinking about trying to get into the mentality of cult members and what drives them. And I was thinking about this, the current historical moment that we live in now. And we actually recorded that first interview on the day that Russia invaded Ukraine and. I reflect back upon my time in the cult, and I remember there was this feeling in the cult that everything would be okay. We would never actually hit World War III because Moon was on the ground, because he was doing his providential mission, and if we members only had enough faith and did everything he asked, then we could prevent these sorts of conflicts happening in the future, and eventually we'd achieve this world of peace, effectively. And there's something very comforting in that not thinking that the worst case scenario could happen and thinking that the world is gonna get better and having this sense of of absolute certainty that things are gonna get better. And I think that's something that the Moonies leaned into heavily and I think that's common across many cults is this feeling of absolute certainty. Things are gonna be be better and okay if we just believe hard enough. Yeah. Well I guess the I don't know if it's the peak,
0: but certainly a time when this video we're gonna look at was taken in nineteen seventy six and so late 70s early 80s that was the peak of the cold war and of course there's a lot of angst about potential of nuclear war and in korea itself obviously that's not
1: that long after the korean war which was pretty traumatic for that peninsula yeah Mm. and i i think eldon in some sense that it's inevitable that you won't be able to do justice to the experiences that thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people have within a movement or capture all the details in it. But it's probably one of those things where it feels like it's very important to get the details correct and to be clear about what you're representing. But in reality, I think for most people who are outside that situation, any information is is just giving them a window Mm -hmm. and it's unlikely that the other people would find any errors or any things that you state that were slightly incorrect about dates or that kind of thing, it won't matter. <laughs> it might matter if somebody wanted to take you to task for, you know, oh, look, this shows that he didn't know exactly that. But I think that for most ordinary people, they would understand that uh, it's it's like a partial your experience thing.
4: Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think my, the reason I, I want to make sure I'm stating things as accurately as possible is because I know that it, if I get something wrong, the Moonies will point at that and be like, Oh look, they got that wrong. Like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's what they do for in, any article that's written in the in the press about them, if they get one tiny thing wrong, the Moonies will say, Oh, look, this is just some person who's just writing this thing. They they, they don't know what they're talking about. And any tiny inaccuracy is used by them to discount the entire thing. So it's m- more kind of me trying to cover myself from from that perspective. But I yeah, I, I take I take your point. Now, that's Normal, ordinary listeners will bother you about it.
1: That's true. Uh, other people I, I cannot speak for, but I do think that what you're describing is pretty common. If somebody writes an article about Jordan Peterson and they misrepresent, for example, the nature of his conflict with the students, but they have every other criticism of him, you know, is pretty spot on yeah. or a good, he don't it won't matter. Like all that will matter is yeah. they got the detail wrong about the thing. And then people say, well, if they don't know that, So, yeah, it is a common thing, but turning to the content, Ma, I don't know if you feel similar about this, I'll just flash it up at the start. So, you know, when we're covering the gurus and the secular gurus in particular, we steered away from overtly religious or alternative medicine people in part because it felt like what they're doing is already covered pretty well by Cult researchers or by people uh, doing research into religious belief and that kind of thing, but listening to this content, it reinforced that feeling that <laughs> like I, I do not want to listen to people who are messiahs. But it it's more that I think it's harder and it will be harder to have like a sense of humor about some of it because a lot of it it's pretty on the nose and it's also like it's dark. It's not like Jordan Peterson, you know, kind of metaphorically referencing the role of women in society. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's the feeling I get. Yeah. It's just, it's much more in your face. So we're interested in these Mm -hmm. secular gurus and these people that flirt with some strange ideas and sort of smuggle them in under the surface. Whereas this is just, you know, front and center
4: in your face. Yeah. The thing is, I I feel like a lot of the ideas are probably the same. They're just like moon isn't camouflaging them in the way that the secular folks are just going straight for the jugular pretty much
1: yeah and i I think in that sense it's useful because we can see the the parallels but you can also see where there's a difference right and as you've mentioned in correspondence there's like maga parallels so Mm. let's turn to the material so that people can hear what we're talking about i think it probably makes sense to talk about two in sequence because the tone of them is a little bit different. The, the yeah. 70s documentary one is like it was made in the 70s. But I'll just play a little clip so people can hear the uh, voiceover.
5: Throughout the land, people are celebrating our nation's 200th birthday. Most of these activities commemorate events in America's past. Actually, America has very deep spiritual roots. The Pilgrims sought religious freedom and the chance to do God's will. The Declaration of Independence acknowledged the protection of divine providence. Religious leader from Korea is bringing America a bicentennial event of the greatest
1: significance. So to me, although that's made in the 70s, it sounds like 1950s Disney. Like, is that, yeah. is that just me or was that what things were like in the 70s? I'm genuinely unclear. Matt, you you were there. <laughs> <laughs> you were a young man at that time. Is that what things were like?
0: I was a young boy at that time. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I don't remember. I was mainly watching cartoons. It does sound like that to me.
1: You were
4: a bit old to be watching cartoons, but you know that's all right. <laughs> I don't judge you. Yeah. But, but I, I think, I think that's an interesting observation because it's like, it's in the seventies, but it's, it's almost intentionally hearkening back to a simpler time, you know, before, before Vietnam, before the cold war, it's going back to a different time and place and you know, trying to recapture the glory of what life was like back then. I hadn't quite made that connection until having this conversation right now, but it's an intentional callback. I think.
1: There's another part that like. (laughs) Shows like the boys got spunk at the church, so uh, (laughs) listen to this fit.
5: From their headquarters near Fifth Avenue, members of the Unification Church International eagerly participate in a special campaign to clean up a very dirty New York City.
1: So people cannot see the visuals, but this is a bunch of people clad in like white clothes running around New York City in the 70s, like sweeping up the mess. It's like, instead of RoboCop, you got a bunch of eager young people with brushes to clean up the yeah. streets. So the clean up the streets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before, before we had the 80s, this was the suggested solution. <laughs>
4: I don't know if my parents were some of those people in those white jumpsuits, but they would have been involved in this. Like maybe they were working in the office, kind of planning this event, that sort of thing. I know it was a big deal for the Moonies. It was like the moment where they felt like Moon was kind of arriving in the US. So everyone was working for it.
1: Yeah. And there's a motif, which is very common to me from looking at new religious movements, referencing the interest of you know, figures off note, and in the two pieces of content we look at, there's lots of guests or bands or so on, and they reference it explicitly in the introduction.
5: During these final weeks, special banquets are held for businessmen, professional people, and community leaders. They can see and hear firsthand an introduction to the inspiring message that Reverend Moon will soon be bringing to all of New York.
1: I keep, I just let you hear a little bit of the music because it's, uh, you know, just that it's respect and it probably speaks to what you were talking about, organizing events with innocuous names. Like if business yeah. leaders get invited to some, some dinner for the spiritual renewal of America or something, yes, it, it probably doesn't seem a bad idea if they're going
4: to pay you and, you know, yeah. give you food. Yeah, exactly. And, and what you're missing by not seeing the video is they, they actually showed a, um, video of, of one of those events. It looked just kind of like a standard sort of awards banquet, something that you, you wouldn't guess it, it had any religious connotation, certainly not a Mooney connotation by looking at it. But that's what it was. Uh, and it's, again, it's just to give it that air of legitimacy.
1: Ma, you may remember this exciting moment from the video where they've spent time organizing the event. It's the start of the video is like talking about how many calls and whatnot they're getting. And then the event is ready to go but then television cameras
5: are set up to record the festival for later broadcast beautiful decorations and large white letters spelling our nation's motto god bless america are assembled on the outfield grass but from early morning on cloudy overcast skies create an uneasy feeling
1: ah uneasy feeling
4: what's Uh, gonna happen Uneasy feeling what's gonna happen Sure. I actually didn't know if you're we going to keep that part in. I thought it was funny, but I didn't know if it was going to make it. Um, a part of it does.
1: So there's a hurricane or a, a tornado, one yeah, of the extreme weather events.
4: And and actually, just for context, this is happening in Yankee Stadium in the U.S., just so people are, are aware. Uh, and so when it moves into the footage, it's like Moon is standing on the, the baseball diamond in Yankee Stadium. And yeah, yeah, that's kind of like the visual here. The
1: part that struck me about this was then there's a storm. You know, the weather's bad, so it's a bad day to hold an event, but...
5: Instead of running for shelter, members, their parents, and guests refuse to be defeated by the storm. This impromptu singing creates an unprecedented high spirit of unity and brotherhood all throughout the stadium. It is a united prayer, a deep-hearted petition to God for sunshine, and the prayer is answered.
0: Yeah, and they're not singing, at least as, as I could hear, they're not singing sort of weird, hippy-dippy 1960s, 1970s stuff. They're singing good old, yeah, all-American type songs. Yeah.
4: They're singing God Bless America. That's what they're, that's what they're singing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but th- that, that device there of we need all these people to pray for something, uh, and then if it happens, then great, the prayers worked. But if it doesn't happen, we didn't pray hard enough. That was... Comment like I heard that pretty much every day throughout my my upbringing. We got to pray for this. We got to pray for that, and flip a coin. If it's if if you, if you get it right, it's the prayer. If not, you didn't pray hard enough. There's never
1: a fantastic logic to this kind of reasoning because like the storm came because God did it, <laughs> right? Like so, God tried to fuck up the event, <laughs> and then he was
4: <laughs> defeated because they no. prayed no he, here's the thing here's the thing Chris it was Satan who sent who sent the, oh, the storm okay. that's, that's that's what you're uh, missing it was Satan who sent the storm but then God heard the prayers and the, and he sent the sunshine or or God
1: sent it as a <laughs> test of fear it's yeah
4: that's another reading that's another reading you didn't. could do it that way yeah
1: this is common in religious reasoning I've done some research with other new religious movements, and they they take any event, especially events which introduce challenges, which are overcome as indicating that they were being supported, but they always take the positive outcome at the end, but they don't take yep. the like attempt to sideline an event from a freak weller event as being a bad
4: sign. Yep. And <laughs> right? in, in fact, the, well, certainly with the Moonies, I can't speak for others, but they would take it as, as the opposite, like the fact that satan tried to send a storm there shows that he's not happy with what they're doing and they're on the right track Mm. the fact that these challenges are presented are taken as evidence of the sacrificial course that must be taken to achieve god's providence is being fulfilled if things work well they win if things aren't going well and they suffer they that's almost like part of the it's, it's an expected part of the experience basically
0: it's not a framework that lends itself to falsification. I no, think it,
4: it, it <laughs> does not, it
1: does not, absolutely not. <laughs> I feel that's by design, but fortunate what? for the, the church, the, they overcome Satan's plan and...
5: In spite of the violent rainstorm, the people come. More than 45,000 people attend the Bicentennial God Bless America Festival, an outstanding turnout.
0: I keep expecting this guy to start talking about like the the wonders of the atom, you know, harnessing the power. <laughs> yeah. <of them>. That's <laughs> what he sounds like, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I wish he would. <laughs> yeah, that would be better.
4: <laughs> I, I just looked up the stadium, the capacity of Yankee Stadium. By the way, fifty to touch under fifty five thousand people. Uh, okay, so they claim so forty five thousand. So I guess it's decent. That's at, all right. I have trouble believing in the accuracy of that 45,000. Why? That's so cynical. <laughs> so cynical that people
1: would inflate attendance numbers. That, Eldon, that has never happened. It's not, not at it inaugurations, never, never. not at religious events. It doesn't happen.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I hadn't even thought it. I hadn't made that connection between the inauguration. Yeah. It's just kind of this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Same thing you got to have a big yeah. audience and so all of this is building up to this
1: moment
2: may i present the reverend sun myung moon the
4: founder of- i just want to say something there so the guy who did the uh, introduction his name is neil salonin and hmm. it, in a, i just want to loop that back to something that, that we spoke about in our last episode, we talked about how in many cases when people are introduced to a cult uh, or, or they're first approached by a cult, it's usually by a member of the opposite sex. So mm-hmm. that guy, Neil Solonin, who's speaking on stage, he's the guy who first greeted my mother when she went to her first Mooney event in the late mm-hmm. 60s, early 70s. And apparently he was like kind of dishy back then. And I think that sort of fed into the appeal.
0: Yeah, I've watched a few videos on um, the medicines since talking to you, and I've seen several times people saying exactly what you did about how mm. the recruitment method works, and it sounds exactly, it, it, in, in all respects, members of the opposite sex approaching you often on a university campus or something like that, focusing on young people. They'll often mention something about, you know, they might have split up with their girlfriend or boyfriend recently, and they were like, oh. And nice and mm-hmm. and the love bombing and the eye contact and just, just the good vibes. Yeah. And then before they know it, they've done a couple of weeks of staying there and not sleeping and
1: suddenly. Absolute
4: they're... sex. <laughs> 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 no, no. There's none of that. none, none of that. Not in the beginning. None the beginning. No. no. I've
1: just got a one track mind. <laughs> I <It> can't help. <laughs> but, yeah. So the that dynamic. This is something that really struck me in this content, Elgin. And I guess you were familiar with it before this. But the way that Moon speaks is right. One, he's speaking in Korean and two, I don't find that charismatic. Like it's charismatic in a a Hitlerian way. It's more in the second content where you get to hear a bit more of this, but it's actually Moon's translator who is the charismatic voice guy Mm. in English, right? Moon sounds like a kind of angry duck. And then his translator converts it into, it's not fantastic pronunciation in terms of the English, but at least it sounds authoritative. So that's a weird thing. It's like, Moon doesn't seem to me that someone have a guru voice. He has a kind of like voice. Yeah. It's this
4: kind of angry, complaining, belligerent, just, it doesn't sound Nice, and and it feels like he's kind of just. And I've actually I've seen this happen where he'll he'll go and give a speech, and in most cases, in many cases, it's like written down. This Yankee Stadium event it was like like pre written, so he's reading off a piece of paper on a lectern, basically. And he gets into this cadence where he starts reading intensely in Korean, and then just builds up to sort of yelling the punchline, yelling the end of the sentence. Yeah, and then he the same sort of cadence over and over, basically leading up to this rah mm. at the end. Yeah, I think
0: this is one of the confusing things about this notion of charisma. Yeah, because you have (laughs) these charismatic (laughs) leaders like, like Hitler is a good example. And and people often talk about Donald Trump's charisma, right? Mm, Yeah. Depending on who you are and your sensibilities and the situation, it's like the opposite of charisma. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really understand it, to be honest.
1: I, I don't understand it at all. I kind of feel part of it, having the kind of balls to stand up and say, (laughs) <laughs> the the things that yeah. the charismatic or cult leaders say, it's almost like just saying it and people standing there and listening means that it has some authority yep. just because mm, they're yep. doing yeah. it. It is a weird dynamic. And let's let people hear what it sounds like in most of the clips moving forward, I have like a little bit of moon and then mainly the translator, but that this okay. is how it goes.
2: 하나님 믿음 여러분 그리고 여러분
1: Okay. So the, I, I cut off the translator, so I'll play the, the second <laughs> clip that does that. But yeah, that was actually Moon delivering like in a more dramatic way than it usually does, but the, this clip also gets into the American exceptionalism, but it mm-hmm. gives you a better sense of the translator. <laughs>
2: The people of America have come from every corner of the world. To be an American does not depend upon what race you are, what belief you have, or what cultural background you are from. It is only in this nation that no matter where you come from, you can proudly say this it's my country that is America. this
1: is America
0: <laughs> hmm. yeah yes, yeah, so, so its it's challenging for for somebody to be to be charismatic and convincing in a different language. I think Chris, you're right in that a lot of it does come down to confidence, yeah. Projecting total, absolute confidence is perhaps the most important thing. But the question I've got for you, Elgin, is to what extent would a speech like this be convincing to
4: people or are they literally preaching to the converted? They're mostly preaching to the converted as well as some people who have been convinced to attend by the converted so, most of the people at these events will be the guest of a convert effectively. And if you're a Mooney and they're having one of these events, then it's your job to go out and bring X number of people to this event. And then the hope is that it will somehow convert people. Uh, or in in theory, that's sort of sort that's what the Moonies will say, like, oh, if enough people see this, then they'll be convinced, and then they'll come join us. But honestly, that is not a recruitment avenue that works for them at all. I never met a single Mooney who joined after attending one of these events. So it was really about Mm. the theatrics for internal purposes to create that illusion of acceptance for the existing members, but it was not an actual recruitment method at all. The recruitment methods were always sort of what I described before, starting with the love bombing, going into some three seven sometimes 21 day workshop and sort of slow dripping the the theology till you get to the point that oh by the way moon is the messiah There are two kind of completely different tracks and so i think he's preaching to mostly the converted and the aim that he's going for is for the converted to see the non-converted at least not totally rejecting Moon and maybe even kind of clapping along when there's some pauses for applause. Ultimately, that's what he's going for is giving himself that little bit extra legitimacy with his constituents so that they think they're being successful and they'll keep following him, keep giving him the money, etc.
1: It doesn't seem like because the tried and tested way for rock singers and anyone is like, hello, Wisconsin, right? And the (laughs) yay. So like in this, it does feel like it's pretty easy Especially, you know, it's helpful if you're speaking to an audience of members of your church, but even if not, like just saying, God bless America in America, I feel like that's going to get a response. Here's another clip with the American rara ness in it.
2: No, God will is to save the world. And to do this, America must lead the way. This is why...
4: I came to America. Yeah, that's what it's all about. (laughs) That through line of American exceptionalism just like is rampant in the unification church. Yeah, it's a big deal for them.
1: On the other side of it, there is a very Korean flavor to things and there's a hierarchy with all Koreans
4: at the top. Yeah. It's really weird. It's weird. Yeah. Koreans definitely occupy the top of the hierarchy internally, but they have this concept that America is the the chosen nation. Korea is important, like maybe more important than America, but America is sort of the most important nation in the world. The second Israel. Yeah. The second Israel. Thank you. It's the, the focus of God's providence effectively is, is America. Uh, that's how Moon pitched it. My personal belief is Moon saw the business opportunity in America. And he also saw the fertile grounds for extremism in America. And that's one of the reasons that led to his pivot from Korea into America was he just sensed the market opportunity for what he was selling. And then he built his whole theology up to be like, America is the second Israel. It's this, that, and the other. All of our attention has to be focused here.
0: Well, it, it makes sense to compensate for the inherent disadvantage of being foreigners, basically. Mm yeah, um,
4: that's going to make your job
0: more difficult. So counterbalancing that with, as you say, the American exceptionalism and speaking to those messages that Americans love, which is that you know, the future is America. Only in America yep. can can people from all different places come together and make something absolutely special happen. That's yep. why I'm here. Like it, yeah, it's, it's a nice explanation and it fits.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also dovetails with his sort of long-term courting of the right wing and the Republican party in, in the U S sort of aligning with those values was strategically important to him for a lot of reasons and coming out here and doing this speech. I think that's another benefit to him was being able to then go to the various people who was trying to court on, on the right wing and saying, Hey, look, I'm doing this, God bless America tour. and And they know it aligns with this through line of, of American exceptionalism
1: yeah so speaking about the appealing to Republican or conservative sentiments about the depravity of modern society, although this was in the seventies but they, there's a clip which which was very reminiscent of trump
2: in America and New York has become a jungle of immorality and depravity. God has been forgotten in this country, and if forgotten. God can only live America. Now is the very moment that this is taking
1: place. Hmm. So jungle of depravity, similar to Trump's inauguration speech, right? The, the decay mm. of the urban, I can't remember what he described, you know, American cities as, as like a depraved war zone that, that need to be restored. Yeah. So this kind of imagery yep. is common. Like it's not just Trump that uses it or Moon. It's basically anybody that wants to... Yep present themselves as a reforming force for society but it's Mm. it's that weird dual message of this is the promised land and this is the greatest place in the world and also it's a hellhole of depravity
4: yeah they they hold both of those at the same time in their heads yeah i bet there's no attempt to to reconcile
0: those two (laughs) different views yeah
1: america there's only one reconciliation and it's for following the correct teaching map, but you also get the anti-communist stuff hit pretty yeah. clearly. Yep.
2: They brought about a new nation here in America, which is now at the threshold of her third century. In a similar way, today, people are fleeing from the communist world of slavery to the free world. United, the free world must liberate the enslaved communist world. This time, our task is to build one world under God.
0: Yeah, look in in terms of style, does more of uh, like the, the Hitler speeches. To
4: his credit, it really does. It, it absolutely brings back Hitler vibes.
1: There's a speech towards the end, Matt, that I think is a good e- example of that. Like, you can, if you just imagine instead of Kingdom of God, like just
4: Third Reich or the yeah the Reich, yeah.
0: like it, yeah. not that big a difference.
4: Yeah, exactly. Just insert,
2: ladies and gentlemen. In the name of God. Let us unite and together build the kingdom of God right here on earth.
0: So, when I think about speeches like this, it makes me think about social psychology and the way in which certain chemicals in in our brains are like designed for this kind of group cohesion. Mm. Group loyalty, you know, seeing a very clear distinction between your group and others and the kind of buzz that it gives people to feel part of that group. And there's good evolutionary reasons for us to be primed like that. Otherwise, we'd be like freaking cats, you know what I mean? Like just (laughs) doing our own thing (laughs) and not cooperating, not organizing and not being effective. And when you hear this kind of thing, it almost feels like the person running it and got their finger on the little
4: neurotransmitter levers there. Yeah. Giving people that feeling. Yeah. And what are those chemicals that you're referring to?
0: Oh, it, it's it, actually, it's interesting. It's the love drug. So what's, um, it's very early in the morning. What's it called? Oxytocin. Okay. That's it.
1: Yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah.
0: So I- interesting parallel there with the love bombing you talked about. Yeah.
4: Right. So you're saying it's the the same chemical that you would receive in a love-bombing situation is the one that's activated when you listen to shit like this?
0: Yeah, that's right. Holy shit. And so the sort of feel-good type neurotransmitters, which will sort of get sparked by something like MDMA, Mm -hmm. right? which they also have a dark side to them, and this has been shown experimentally, they they actually increase people's perceptions of in-group, out-group membership. Oh, right okay. so you you feel that kind of deep okay. connection with someone who's in the circle, yep. you know a family member, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever, but when they do experiments, they can actually show that it actually enhances that differential perception of people who are not in the circle, so interesting it's wow. thought to be important for essentially enhancing in group harmony and cooperation and yep. single purpose,
1: yeah wow, so after Matt's demonstrating of why he's a good psychologist um, and, and and a good drug user.
4: I like to know what I'm eating. Yeah. <laughs>
1: the, the last clip from this first video is it really a precursor to what we'll go into, because I, I think it's just a nice illustration that, as you heard in those clips, a lot of that's been emphasized is like American jingoism or references to like a kingdom of God and and so on. But there isn't so much saying Reverend Moon is the Messiah. Instead, you get like uh, descriptions like this.
2: America must return to the true founding spirit of the nation. America must return to Godism and absolutely god-centered
4: ideology I just godism (laughs) so this is one of those moments where no outsider knows what that means but Mm. the insiders have been told to mean that godism is another name for reverend moon's theology that he's the messiah and therefore other people clapping when they hear oh we're going to have a world full of godism That's them agreeing. Hey, look, this guy's the Messiah. Uh, so everyone in that stadium, that's the moment where the fast one was pulled on them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh no, no, we're not talking about being really, really Christian in general.
1: It's a it, it does feel like a very clear bit and switch because when I heard it it's like, so why don't we all pray for God? And it's like there's no issue there for Christians to say, Yay, God, but like Godism yeah.
4: sounds <laughs> weird. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. But it's not quite weird enough to prompt you to not clap at that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. They could put it down to just second language type or translation yeah. differences. Actually, it exactly. reminds me of, who's that, who's that comic who, who does the, um, Bar- um Baron, Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So he, he'll often do similar tricks, right? So he, you know, acting as the foreigner or the some naive silly person, yeah. he'll say something completely outrageous and he'll get a whole crowd or a big group of people to, to clap and agree with him. Yeah, he's doing that similar trick, actually, which is they're putting it down to, oh, he must mean this.
4: Yeah, it's absolutely the same thing. That's the trick that's being played here.
0: Wow.
1: So the next thing we skip forward to 2001, but again, in this like weird I don't know, ELO 2001 is a lot longer back than I remember, or the production values on this video are just like... Oh, they're bad. They're really bad. They're hilarious. It feels like it's a 1990s or like 80s video. So
4: they're always like 20 years backwards. Just before you play this clip, I don't know. It's possible I was in the room when this was recorded. And the, the reason I don't know is because I went to so many of these things when I was young and... In 2001, I still would have been living in the D.C. area near my folks who were still going to some of these events. And every now and then they would invite me to go and I'd be like, all right, fine, fuck it, I'll go. I saw the clip and I was like, maybe I was there or maybe I was at one of 100 other events that were pretty much identical.
1: So you mentioned at the start, Elgin, that they list a lot of organizations that helped to organize it with fairly innocuous names. But these are all uh, Mooney Front organizations. And after you have that, You have this part where there's an introduction, as there was in the other material, with people who are, I think, invited guests, not the actual members of the church. And they give a a kind of ecumenical message about the unification of Christians. And uh, this is an example of that. And I'm so
3: pleased to stand with you of every race and every creed and every color on this planet of every high religion on this planet to say that we stand together to rebuild the family, to restore our communities and to save the nation and the world. We thank God for each of you. We thank God for the Reverend Sun Young Moon. And we mm. thank God for the There's opportunity that, that we had.
4: <laughs> right. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's just it's very innocent, right? you have no idea what's coming next after, when you listen to that. And just for, for context here, the guy who just heard speaking is a, a guy named Reverend Walter Fauntroy, who was a civil rights activist. He marched with Martin Luther King in the sixties and later on became a reasonably respected pastor and then does, did a bunch of stuff with the Moonies in like the nineties the and the early two thousands. If you Google him now, I think he's been involved in some kind of dodgy stuff. I don't know exactly what's happened there, but. Certainly at the time, he was a a pretty well-respected figure in the religious community. Well,
0: they're opening with good messages there. I mean, everyone probably would like in an abstract way to be more connected with their community, for for their families to be stronger. Yes.
4: uh, Yeah. It's all this abstract stuff. They lure you in with these abstractions that are impossible to criticize, just because they are so abstract. And then once you're in, then they start hitting you with the really crazy stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah, and so it, it opens up with a kind of, um, an exortion about the importance of having children and, and families, right, and how this is a secret duty. But after a briefings and what's the meaning of life and what's the important thing for people to do and it's like have children, be a family. It very quickly pivots to this.
3: Let me prove it a little bit further. For particularly when we examine women's partner, are the organs? Think about these beautiful twin peaks here and the well-developed, quishlike like Are they there for the sake of her or for the children? For the children, I don't know. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, so
4: just so people know what's happening here, cause there's a lot happening there. Okay. So when that clip opened, you're actually hearing the translator speaking, uh, and on the video, he's actually cupping his chest when he talks about lady lumps or whatever he says. So he like touches his chest, he touches his butt. And then he basically says, these are here for the men. And then what you're hearing at the end of the clip is, is moon just getting involved in english like going going off the speech and just going for it going off the written speech and just going for it and trying to punctuate the point basically so yeah that's Moon kind of jumping in with the yelling at the end
1: and this english has not got that much better (laughs) in the 20 (laughs) years (laughs) but there's a real focus on like the the bodily organs and the yeah. biological functions of, of womanhood. And here's a, another illustration.
3: What about your unique experience, a monthly experience? Every month it comes without any failure, with, with a little bit of pain. That experience. Also the experience of morning sickness. Are they there for your own sake, uncomfortable experience? Yeah, or for so talking
1: periods and morning sickness. It's a weird opener for, for <laughs> a, a message about the unification of all religions.
0: Uh, yeah. The logic there is not strong. There, there are secondary sexual <laughs> physical differences. Therefore, <laughs> you, you exist for the purposes yeah. of men. <laughs> maybe, yeah. for, maybe to have children yeah. and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah, in this case, though, I think the framing is like it's going to shift very soon to like it, you exist for for a husband and for a man. But at this point, it's it's m- more emphasizing towards children, like childbearing. Yeah. That's what you're yeah you're yeah. for. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, and well, and this is the thing. These are the two aspects that he's basically drilling into right now. Is if you're a woman, your purpose is for having children, or your purpose is To serve your husband, but those are like those are the two pillars that this speech pretty much stands on, and we just covered the first, and I think we're going to cover the second in a second.
1: Yeah, and serving your husband, like it can be taken quite literally as well. Yeah. Yeah.
3: What about the very organ which makes you as a woman? Why is that organ just strictly belonging to you, or
1: is it there for your husband? So, just to be clear, in case people (laughs) miss that, he he talked about the organ that makes you a woman. It's presumably he's talking about the vagina. And then he's like, Is that so? Is that for you? <laughs> or, or is that for your husband? And I, I'm thinking if I was a woman in the audience, my reaction, you know, like if I was in an audience and a, a preacher was saying to me, like, So, your manly organ, your penis, does that exist for you? Yeah. Is that just for you? Is that your organ? <laughs> like, <yeah>. <laughs> like. <laughs>
4: It yes. was so weird being in those rooms as a kid. I've I heard that speech or a carbon copy of that speech many times. I was I was in the room, what, I don't know, seven, eight years old, hearing these things. And if you look at this tape, you can see it. it they cut to, to a shot of the audience when he's talking about this. And you can see a family with, with a couple girls, uh, and they look like they're maybe like between nine and 12 years old. And they just, they look so uncomfortable in that situation for obvious reasons. And Mm. I wanna make the point here that this sentiment of like your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the spouse that God will ordain for you. That's one of like the core pillars of this theology and that has devastating consequences for for people who grow up in it it leads to a lot of difficulties in relationships later on it's particularly worse for as far as i know i think it's worse for women than it is for men but having that drilled into you can really fuck with your sex life and it has also led to you know people on my show have told me that particularly women have just not felt comfortable setting any boundaries with men and have been taken advantage of as a result because they've been brainwashed with this shit from such a young age. So I, I look yeah. at that video and I see those girls and I feel so bad for them. Yeah, I can well
0: imagine.
1: So there's times when it's presented euphemistically. It's not exactly a, a very subtle metaphor, but like, for example, mm-hmm. here's talk about the special key.
3: That's, that's right. If that is the key, you are organ must be opened by a special key that you create. Then what do you think? Do you think we should have only one key, one and only, absolute, unique, unchanging key for your husband to use? Or you should have a couple of spill keys and give them to some some other people so they can sometimes beat it? Oh, oh, oh! So
1: there's, so there's some fucked up things about the metaphor. Like, I, I have to point out that, like, so... <laughs> I get the, your, the woman organ and the key, I think I can work out what the implication is there, but the part that that doesn't work for is he's talking about the women making the the key, right. And then giving it to other people. So he's like, if we take the key to be a penis. It's that he's then suggesting that you, you will give penises to the other men, which doesn't make sense. And then yeah. the other thing is <laughs> saying like, do you want a, 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 like a box with only one key that can open it or a door with only one key? And it's like, no, because if you lose that key. You, cannot get it. like, I, you know, the no r- logic of the metaphor was causing me troubles because i was like i lose my keys all the time so <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's the point but i just want to say it's not it doesn't work at <laughs> so many levels
4: no but yeah this like utter fixation with genitalia is just it's rife like the, the whole key in the lock like that's just one of hundreds of analogies that were that were used for these things in these speeches yeah
0: it it often seems to be the case i mean this is an extreme example but it's often the case that extremely like sexually repressed restrictive controlling sexual mores or cults or, or just cultures religions whatever it seems to result in just weird icky strange perverted, for one of a better word mm. behavior i mean just look at english Tory members of parliament, and they just, yeah. They, they yeah, just look at them. Back. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, look at the, then read the news stories. I mean, like uh, it's just, so it's just pointing out that this is an extreme
4: version of something that is pretty common, sadly. Yes. You see it in other places for sure, but this is, yeah, certainly extreme.
1: So there's two clips I want to play here that are linked. So if those were, you know, euphemistic references to the the key masters and the gatekeepers or whatever the case may be. This is less euphemistic. So there's two of them. This is the first one.
3: If you receive the
1: seed of life through your husband from God directly and raise
3: these children to become the God's children, think about it. How precious, how valuable service you offer to God.
1: That's the value of receiving the seed of God, right? And just in case you, you, you aren't sure, What's, it, what's he referring to?
3: Think about the value of a newborn child of yours. In order to have this seed of life get germinated out of probably 350 million sperm, just one, the strongest one makes it, and make a union with your own egg, then that becomes your descendant. Think about it. How valuable and precious.
1: <laughs> oh, God. The most valuable treasure, the one in 350 million. Sperm that enter the egg. That's the you you got it, Matt. That's what the key. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I
0: get it. I'm picking up the the message. So the the bit about it that's common to you know Christian and other religious sort of doctrine is that very important role of having children. Right. That's that's not an unusual thing. It's unusual to go into such explicit detail and to focus so yeah. much. Mm -hmm. on the
1: biological details of it in this kind of sermon that that bit is is odd it does remind me in a much lesser version that i was at a friend's wedding and the priest gave a sermon that talked about the different varieties of love this was like a catholic wedding and he started talking about like eros and the different types but he focused on erotic Love as well. And I could see everyone in the church being like, don't, don't dwell on this. And that was just somebody mentioning the concept of erotic love. Um, and, and that was like beyond appeal. So I can only imagine if he'd said, you know, think about the sperm, think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like
0: I went to my, um, even though my family's like from a Catholic background, they sent me for a few years in high school to an mm-hmm. Anglican religious high school. Just because the public school in the area, I would have got knifed. We had to go along to the the school, sort of church services. And so so I got this exposure and (laughs) I just... It's just making me laugh thinking about it. In one of those services, if that started talking about sperm and the special key, <laughs> like, like to, people people would have just evaporated in a puff of smoke. Like,
4: yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. And then imagine me like listening to this like every week, pretty much, just in all kinds of context, and not just me, but th- you know, thousands of other kids as well. Like, it, this was our bread and butter was listening to this shit. Yeah. And it,
1: it ties in, so there's that focus on the biological, you know, function for women to have children. But they, yeah. they have this also. They talk about like it how it's the duty for the woman to raise the baby and and the child. But then mm-hmm. there's this pivot where the the man is supposed to take over.
3: The bed dirty and the blanket dirty. All those the mothers don't mind. They go after cleaning and all this by doing so. They receive blessing, what so they have to realize the preciousness of this new life, who will become the servant who will become a servant of God, the children child of God, that kind of value uh, should be realized but by the time the child grows up to like age five, uh, five six and go to the kindergarten or school like that, then the responsibility of husband comes into play there husband.
1: So like baby duties, that's all women, but five
4: or six is when the man takes over, is that common? That's what he's getting at. That wasn't something that I really remember being expressed to me, probably won't come as a shock to you that the doctrine changed quite a lot uh, over time. But that was never expressed to me when I was growing up, but it doesn't surprise me at all.
1: You know, like a lot of it is misogynistic perspectives uh, or at least patriarchal and. This sounds familiar. Your face. For what? For
3: your own sake to look at your face all day long through the mirror? No. You want to present yourself in a more formidable, more beautiful way to your husband so that your husband can have a good day.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, you know, your wife, she gets <laughs> out, <laughs> takes two hours in front of the mirror <laughs> to... <laughs> to make you just you know look nice for you, so you can go out with a smile on your face. It's
4: yeah, it's so true. true. <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, this is just a description of married life. Right? I don't know <laughs> why way goes laughing. This is <laughs> you know.
4: I mean, so I was married in the church to another Mooney, ex Mooney. She, she never did that for the record. It's not I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was going to ask that because I was curious as to how much
0: of this, you know, actually turned into reality for people who were, who were in there.
4: Yeah. So, you know, what's, what's interesting is I, I was thinking about this and especially uh, in the context of Trump and some of the other crazies that are out there. So moon would, would say all this crazy shit and i remember sometimes like asking my parents or or, or church members being like wasn't that really weird like that, i mentioned this on the qaa show but like there's one time when he gave the direction that that parents should have sex in front of their kids now thankfully i never witnessed that so there w- there was some like ability for people to use their own discretion when listening to his his words but it led to these conversations where i talked to my mom and dad and be like wasn't that really crazy Could like, what what the hell was that um and then they're like oh you, it's, you don't need to it's not about the specifics of what he's saying it's about the heart that's behind it and i feel like that is quite common when you know people talk about trump they're like oh he didn't really mean that thing about this group of people yeah. or he didn't mean that thing about the wall or this that or the other they they sort of they they do these mental gymnastics to make these mm. these really really awful things okay in their minds yeah as a cognitive strategy that flip-flopping
0: between the, the concrete and the abstract um in a kind of a mm. mont and bailey scenario is very helpful you know and it, it parallels what you mentioned before which is that godism is kind of just being religious in an abstract way but also very in a very concrete way being mm. specifically about following Sun-Gang Moon. so that is just a, a nice dodge because you can have your cake in eat it too. You can have mm. the more the more literal, concrete, and usually more extreme interpretation if that works for you. You know, same goes for conspiracy mm. theories. You know, if that doesn't quite work for you, if that if that's triggering some alarm bells, you can sort of fall back to a more vague, wishy-washy, abstract, heart type one. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. We saw that all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think it exists in the. Um, maybe less extreme form in in general religion about people switching between what is advice and what is metaphor and what is yeah. the church's yeah. teaching. Like I can remember members of my family saying, you know, well, the church says something about homosexuals, but you know, like the church hasn't always been right, which is not the theological <laughs> the, the position of the church. But in, in terms of that, the like social conservatism, because of the divine purpose of reproduction, you get this disparaging of anything outside of a, an ordained marriage, which you talked about like yeah. on the last episode, Elgin.
3: Those, only those, homosexuals, lesbians, or even those who go after three sticks like, These are the ones who will have it, but God doesn't want those people. If they practice that kind of unprincipled life, they are less than animals. I can tell you. Yeah,
4: less than animals. That last word got clipped a little bit life and animals
1: yeah he also repeats this message quite clearly later so here says just in case people miss that
3: when we understand this kind of value and providential significance how can we even think about becoming an alcoholic become a drug addict become a pre-sex people become a homosexual or lesbian whatsoever they are that's the trench. what
4: trash yeah Uh, it's not subtle. No, it's not, it's not subtle at all. And, and yeah, imagine you came, you came in thinking this is like this kumbaya, peace and love, we will stand together. And then, this is a sort of vitriol that's being spewed forth. Yeah, it's a pretty severe switch and you can see it. If you look in the video, you can see the look on people's faces. Some, some people in the audience, the people who aren't church members they just had this sort of like, what the fuck look on their, on their face. <laughs> yeah. So there, I mean, I think that
1: comes as well because you have those direct statements and, you know, I think it's that uncommon in evangelical communities or whatever that you would hear about homosexuals or lesbians or free love lifestyles being presented as sinful, but maybe they wouldn't yeah. have said trash, <laughs> but you then have these uh, I mean, you talked about the Elgin that it might be a translation issue, but they really like using the word "absolute" because <laughs> they talk about
4: an absolute fidelity. Yeah, they love this this concept of absolute. But I kind of, before you play that clip, I just want to go back to that uh, the comparison to to other Christian denominations. I think one important distinction, and I I could be wrong here, but I feel like most Christian denominations that aren't supportive of homosexuality they have It's kind of like well we don't love it but ideally we'd like to one day maybe get those get those guys back into the fold with us and and that leads to like conversion therapy and all this all this other shit which is still evil but it, I contrast that to the, the Mooney view, which is like, these people are trash, these people are worse Mm. than animals. Like we do not want them as part of society. We're not looking to bring them back. Like we, we want them gone basically. So in my view, there is a pretty clear distinction. This is a more, more hateful, hateful version of, of,
1: of that. I think you're right that there probably are various denominations where the anti gay or lesbian or trans message is like much stronger. But it in the in mainstream traditions it probably is more, you know, hit the sin and love the sinner kind
4: of mission. Yeah. Or, or message. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is like hate the sin, hate the sinner, basically. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It's more, you know, simple, easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so the absolute fidelity thing sounds like this. We are talking about absolute
3: fidelity here. If anybody, any husband, any wife deviates from this God given every man, mm-hmm. they are bound to help.
1: So you know, again, that's not a message that is that out of step with a lot of Christian doctrine, right, mm-hmm. about the sanctity of marriage and that, that you shouldn't get divorced or you you should pledge until you're dying day to one person and also not have sex before marriage. So I think this is a little bit the bait and switch thing, because there are elements that just sound like, you know, maybe like a relatively hardcore interpretation of mainstream Christian doctrine. But when these are tied in, for example, as you talked about, Elgin, about asking people to make a pledge. So Mm -hmm. there's this part where that concept is related later in the talk.
3: You have been like the thieves and robbers in the past, but from this point on, will you Go against this kind of heavenly principle. Can you, you, can you make sure, promise that you will keep absolute fidelity?
1: This is asking everyone to signal.
0: So so Elgin, what are your thoughts, Elgin? In what ways does the notion of absolute fidelity differ from your typical Christian
4: to be honest, I I don't think it's that much different. The concept is the same, you know, no sex before marriage, you get married once and you only have sex with that person. That's kind of the deal that, that, mm-hmm. that they're going for. They're probably a little more extreme in their complete certainty in their belief that you will go to hell if you deviate from that at all. But the core belief set is probably pretty similar, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you have the, the message that society will collapse if not built on the foundation of the Yes the like divine married. If there is any family, any society any nation
3: just following that kind of physical you know, desire and pleasure and goal, you know, six 7 deviation, type of deviation, that kind of family, society, nation will eventually perish. the oh. <laughs>
1: Yeah. This mm. was
4: a, this was a super common tactic that they, they used all the time. They'd be like, look, look at this thing that we're talking about, about the family. And then they'd be like, oh, but then we can just like extrapolate that to like the tribes, the nation, the world. And then if they they kept like the concentric circles kept getting bigger. They're, they applied it to like the universe and the cosmos basically. So they claim to reach some sort of truth about some small unit and then try to use that to, to claim that it's going to impact all these other things. In this case, you know, the world is going to implode. Mm. I have a clip that illustrates
1: that connection quite nicely.
3: If you do that with your family together, that you will become the pastor of your family, your family will become the owner, the center of your nation, and your nation will become the center nation of the world, and eventually we'll be able to build the kingdom of God on
4: earth. Yeah, there's Yeah, there's a lot of jumps there. And it sort of reminds me of this idea of Mooney exceptionalism, which ties into American exceptionalism. So they had this idea that like, it, you know, if you created a perfect Mooney family, then by doing so, you would then create this perfect Mooney community, which would then become a perfect nation, which would then become a perfect world, but it was all built on the sort of the inherent exceptional nature of you as, as a Mooney. Uh, and that would be sort of like the building block of mm. bringing peace to the world effectively. Mm.
0: Well, Mm. I know it's bad form to compare things to the Nazis, but I have to do it because Mm. they also put huge emphasis on the family and these traditional roles that you had to take within the family. And they drew a direct line between those family units and, you know, one Volk, that the whole broader social unity as well. And you can look at the kind of uh, Nazi propaganda from the time. And it is full of, you know, you'll see pictures of, you know, women breastfeeding and stuff like that with the little traditional thing and whatever. Like, you cannot overstate how central those ideas were. So, Mm. you know, it's worth mentioning. It is worth mentioning.
1: But I think you can also see it, you know, to a certain extent in like the content of people like Jordan Peterson as well, right? This Mm. kind of focus on the family and traditional marriage and the importance of that for society. It's a, it's a socially conservative message <laughs> in general, mm. right? And the, yeah, yeah, there are varieties of it that are less toxic, but I think mm-hmm. there's a good illustration, like why that kind of message can be concerning for people and feel like mm. it's exclusionary because it it, it is. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> Well, not just exclusionary,
0: but but controlling. That right? as well. Like, this is how you have to live. Yeah. This mm. is the only way to yeah. live. Divorce there. is oh, not
1: okay. okay. Yep. You know, having multiple partners.
0: Non-traditional gender roles, absolutely not okay. Yeah, everyone needs to do their pre-specified role, not just for yourself and your family, but for the the broader unified community. And, you know, you're talking and about God. exceptionalism. And, go- and God as well. And Elgin was talking about, Exceptionalism before about how the saw them as exceptional. Well, you know, <laughs> far right groups tend to see themselves mm. as, as exceptionally special as well. But mm-hmm. anyway, this mm-hmm. so there's similarities.
1: Before we pivot to the final point, which is, I, I think fittingly, the reveal that Reverend mm. Moon is the Messiah. Just before, there's one technique, Elgin, you you highlighted in the content, and I wanted to mention it, which was, there's a couple of times in these speeches where they ask the audience to participate, to mm. to do something, to show their commitment to the ideal. And as you said, this probably has two audiences Like in mind. One is that the people just present are responding to a speaker, asking them slightly weird, but fairly anodyne, show your faith moments. Whereas mm. for the Church members, it might be seen as that they're agreeing to what, you know, the yes. broader agenda of Reverend Moon is. And and here's an example yeah. of one of them.
3: Those who make a mind this evening, after you heard this message from me, you will, no matter what happens from this point on, you will absolutely make sure that there'll be no more spare key using whatsoever in your life and your family life. Show your hands to God. So
1: to get people... To raise their hands and then afterwards, there's a quick aside, which could be a joke, but also.
3: If anybody didn't show your hands, we should have taken pictures.
4: So that, that is very telling, very telling. So if you're a Mooney and you don't have your hand raised, you don't want to be in that photo because Mm -hmm. that's going to be used to berate you, to abuse you, to question your faith. Could be even used to tell you that you need to give more or more money or time to the organization. It could lead to your kids being sort of looked down upon and maybe shunned by by others. Being in a position of of not showing absolute faith, and it could be as simple as like not being the one who's raising your hand in that moment when they take that photo. That's a very tenuous position to be in as, as a mini. um
1: And I I think that's interesting because like from the outside it just sounds like an offhand joke, right? You know about yeah. like. Oh, all all wives look at if your husband didn't put his hand up, you know, maybe you yeah. should be worried, right? Like a kind yeah. of joke. So when you mentioned it in the email, it it didn't read like that to me, which is
4: probably yeah, yeah by well, design. It's, it's a yeah, by design. It's a double <laughs> meaning, right? To you, it seems like a a, a harmless joke, a but bad joke. A, yeah, <laughs> a bad, yeah. Thank you, a bad joke, but to others, it's a it's an ominous threat, and 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 that's how i that's how I read it as soon as I saw it. So the, the last point then is the reveal
1: that, that Moon is the Messiah. But again, I, I really almost missed this in the hmm. the content. Hmm. So here's like the, the mention of that, as far as I could tell.
3: So by sending his begotten son, another son, Messiah, he wants to restore his lost love life lineage back.
1: That was it. Yeah. So that like to a Christian, that sounds like sending the Messiah, yeah. Jesus, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's
4: that's exactly how you probably would would think of it if you were a Christian. But if you're a Mooney, you're like, oh, they're they're talking about moon. And yeah, notice how they didn't they didn't mention second coming. They just mentioned the savior. So they're ambiguous about which savior, savior the first or the second. Uh, if you're a Christian, you're thinking it's the first. If you're a mooney, you're thinking it's the second. And then. The Christians are, you know, clapping in agreement or certainly not protesting in, in any way at this sentiment. And then all of a sudden the Moonies are like, oh my God, they're agreeing. They're agreeing that he's the second coming. So yeah, you, you mm-hmm. identified the, the, the pivotal moment right there. And there's
1: a little bit, there's one more clip. This is the last one where I think it's, it's still emphasizing that point, but again, it's, it's kind of like hard to read as somebody from the outside.
3: There's nobody even in this room who has true connection with God's love, life, and living. And your family is not the family of God yet. What that means is, Jesus fulfilled his mission in this world. No, he was going to. But because of the faithlessness of the Israel and the Jewish people there, he had to leave fully. So that's why he said he'll come back again. Okay. Think about the lineage. Aspect,
0: Guys, you know, I'm like three generations removed from Catholicism, but the Catholic in me is like, you know, this is why we had the Council of Nicaea, right? To stamp out this kind of heresy, right? This is what you get. <laughs> 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 this is what you get.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's heretical. Yeah, it's, um, but, uh, <laughs> but when you
0: have a lack of conformity in Christianity, And people can interpret the the scriptures in any way they like. Then you have all kinds of different Protestant churches with their own little flavors and their own particular takes. And then you have the Moonies, but you also have stuff like uh, the Mormons, for instance, Uh that just just
4: take the school of thought and take it in some weird and strange places, wherever they Mm -hmm. want to, essentially. There's two things I want to mention there about that clip. So number one is, he basically, he mentions that effectively that... Jesus was, was killed by the, by the, the Jews. That is the underlying foundation for a lot of anti Semitism in the Moonies. And it mm-hmm. sort of culminates with them effectively believing that the Holocaust was a sacrifice that Jews had to make for atone for the sin of killing Jesus Christ. That's, that's a, a, a through road within, within the Moonies. Uh, they don't talk a lot about it now. I think they've tried to clean up that part of their image, but that was a big yeah. thing back mm-hmm. in the day. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention is that's also one of those moments when, when he's like, yeah, Jesus Christ didn't, didn't fulfill his mission. And then we need to have like a new life, a new life and lineage. Like, I, I think that's a moment where a Christian is sort of like, okay, I yeah. guess, I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but the Moonies are like, well, look, they're, they're clapping along. They're still here. Uh, so that means they agree. And, and so, so they they're, they're pointing to that as, as buy-in as well.
1: Yeah and mm. and then there's a pivot to like you know a reading of extracts and then it goes to songs and stuff towards the end right mm. like a celebration so it it is weird how relatively subtle that message is it reminded me of the events that you discussed as well on q on anonymous at the end somebody coming in and being presented with a crown right and announced yeah. as the was and like the yeah. the Republican politicians just looked a bit confused at what was happening. Yeah. Right. But th- this is actually like a pretty common thing amongst new religious movements to basically make donations or arrange an event where they can shake hands with the Dalai Lama or something like that, mm. or get a letter from yeah. the Pope. And then they'll mm-hmm. use it as like, okay, so we were recognized by those yeah. people. And it, it does feel like the camera goes off and the person moves and it's like, well, that's it. That's like they, yeah. they acknowledge me. Then it's strange that yeah. it works, but it's a really common technique. So I, well, it that must work.
0: Another parallel with the gurus is that craving for legitimacy. That stuff that yeah. you're talking about is really quite thought out tactics in order to gain the perception of legitimacy. So it's a weird contradiction because at once they like the sort of outsider status and that that feeling of being the special minority, the special people who've got privileged access to the message that the normies don't know about, but at the same time, they're really desperate to get the photos with yeah. the handshakes with important politicians or the Dalai Lama or whatever. And we see the exactly the same thing with our secular gurus too.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, rounding off the final thoughts um, and and thanks, by the way, Elgin, just upfront to say it, it's been a pleasure and it is very valuable, I think, Likewise. to have your insight and to compare. I know this is an unusual episode from what we normally do, but I, I think yeah. it is good to have these contrasts and in terms of parallels, the main thing that struck me was the through line of social conservatism and the importance placed on biological roles and the family. Mm-hmm. The. The contrast that struck me quite strongly with the secular gurus we cover was the relative lack of vocal ability, at least in English, the kind mm. of, they are yeah. not like Jordan Peterson, not like Eric Weinstein. Uh, no, and, th-
4: th- there's nothing suave about him at, at, at all. Yeah.
1: he He's like an angry middle-aged man yeah. ranting about putting your key in the organ. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a deeply. Unsexy presentation. <laughs> Not that like Jordan Peterson does it for me, but he he, 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 he certainly has a, a a greater suaveness to him than this. And that's my takeaway: is that charisma comes in lots of different forms, and a lot yeah. of it can come from the the situations and the groups that are cultivated. And uh, again, I, we might be looking here at content that is once somebody already is the leader of a cult rather than somebody who's in the mm-hmm. early yeah. stages of creating their persona. So maybe he doesn't need to do a lot of the things that we might associate, but the lack of obvious charisma was kind of the surprising thing for me in looking
4: at his content. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think it to me, it sort of feels like he, almost like he he knows it. He knows he doesn't have it and he's just trying to make up for it by, by sheer brute force. And it, it kind of worked for him. He, he made an admission of like, I'm never going to be the suave guy, but if I just yell loud enough, I can convert some people and it worked. It's yeah. Brute, brute force, quasi charisma, basically.
1: We'll, mm. we'll leave the last word to you, Elgin, but Matt, wh- what about you, uh, in comparing this content to the gurus or, or anything else?
0: Look, like it's a totalizing ideology, like most religious cults and has, I think surprisingly strong similarities to political cults like nazism actually so yeah look i didn't think the impression that i had of cults like the moonies or scientologists or mormons i could get lower but yeah because i thought that was pretty (laughs)
1: congratulations
0: (laughs) started from an extremely low base and somehow managed to find a new floor uh yeah good job, Elton. Oh, yeah, yeah job. i'm
4: I'm glad to have performed that service for you. I'm <laughs> delighted. um, what's your final words though what's, what's your um, thought? so number one, the the comparison to Nazism whilst it's something that has occurred to me previously, hearing someone else articulate it, it was quite interesting, quite fascinating. And particularly listening to those to those clips and, and identifying that similarity in both clips was quite interesting. Just, just to hear someone else. I think it's always fascinating for me. To hear the observations that other people have who didn't grow up in the cult, it's just really, really interesting to hear like what this sounds like to a, to an outsider. Cause I don't, I don't have that perspective. One thing to add is that these were two of, I don't know, hundreds of videos of Moon mm-hmm. that are available on YouTube. Like most cults, the Moonies tried to like document as many words of their guru as possible. So before video was widely available. Uh, they would write it down. So there are websites you can go to, and like they just have like all of his speeches, which are just, it's just an insane amount of content. Not that I'm suggesting anyone spend any time on it, but uh, <laughs> <There's> <laughs> all more. this is to if say, you guys are I, like this. <laughs> I, I just kind of to the point earlier of like I can only highlight one drop in the bucket of the grift. I can mm-hmm. only highlight one drop or two drops in the bucket of all the plethora of. Terrible shit that Moon spent his life spewing, um mm-hmm. and I guess maybe yeah. that's my final word. Is like, it's, it's, there's a lot of it out there, and yeah, I don't think I can ever do, no. do it justice.
0: Oh, I'm sure with the misogyny too, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. there was there was so much stuff there, and and, and I, I think the other thing is like I, the the message that I want people to have is like this is not just some you know harmless kooky religious group. This is a place that is abusive. And I hope that people can understand that even just exposing kids to that type of language is a form of abuse, let alone all the other types of abuse that it opens you up to later on in your life and all the other forms of abuse that an organization like this does. This is a a dangerous, dangerous group that has caused untold damage to thousands of people. And that's what, that's Mm -hmm. what I think the takeaway should be.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, not a fun note, but a, an important note to end on and stress. So uh, thank you for coming on, Elgin, and talking to us. And I will not tell you to grovel at the feet of your muscle master. I, I will encourage people <laughs> not to grovel at anyone's feet after listening to the content. But thanks for coming on and, and guest
4: hosting with us. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Really fun. Thank you. Thanks, man.
1: All right, Matt, Reverend Moon, absolute sex master, uh, decoded, gone into the ether, and good riddance, really. N- yeah. Not my favorite man. You on the other hand, you loved him. It was surprising, you know. You were yeah. you were deep into him. Yeah.
0: I can't I can't wait for the Grammera. I got some hot takes. I mean, people are going to be surprised. He's actually, you <laughs> know, misunderstood, Chris. Misunderstood. All of these cult leaders are.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shining so, path. Uh, I, I mean, it hasn't encouraged me to delve back into the annals of historical gurus, but I I do think it's useful from time to time to look at actual gurus or people who fall into the spheres that we originally you know were tending to avoid, like the spiritual yeah. gurus and the alternative health type gurus.
0: Yeah, it's good to be reminded, like those people are not who we're focused on, but. We explicitly compare the secular gurus to the kinds of behaviors that these people do once you strip out the, the religion, usually. So it's good to remind ourselves of what they do.
4: Yeah,
1: it, it, it is. And uh, even if we have to inflict what they do on our listening audience. But that leads, Matt, to people, you know, after they consume our content, they sometimes leave feedback. They tell us what they think, and then we, in turn... Look at what they've said and read it. We say, is it good feedback? Is it bad feedback? Should they try harder, indeed, mm. with our review of reviews? <laughs> <They're lacking laughs> I'm going to get
0: it. No, it's it's better. It's perfect just the way you say it. Don't ever change, Chris. Don't ever change. Let's go. Yeah. Read us the first review. What have we got?
1: Uh We've got it. A free star. I like the, you know, I like to go negative and ramp it up to the praise and the hyperbolic mm. adulation. Yeah.
0: We don't want to be left with a sour toast in our mouths. We want. Yeah, that's you know, right. We'll I, I still
1: remember, like, what was the name? I Spit in Your Mouth, 6363 <laughs> years. So. <laughs> From back in the day. That was a username for in an early podcast of a reviewer. So, <laughs> yeah. This first one, the title is Meh Hit and Miss. So that gives you. A nice mm. tone of the review, and it is by Izalm, Ilzam from Canada. Incredulous, somewhat bitter hypocrites, less than repugnant, worth listening to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Chris, say that one more time.
0: That is that is good. That's pretty
1: again. good, right? It's a bit like a Cohen uh, yeah, or a haiku. Yeah. It's like an abusive uh,
0: haiku. <laughs> Let's hear it again.
1: Incredulous, (laughs) somewhat bitter, hypocrites. Less than repugnant, worth listening to. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's right.
0: That's right. Snow falls gently on the forest. Less than repugnant, worth listening to.
1: (laughs) It's a going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I have to read this one because I I quite enjoyed this. It's, uh, the title though is not promising, Matt. It's decent podcast, but... You know how I feel about the buts. I know, and the username is Milk and Toast. <laughs> so I I feel this is someone after her own heart, but they say the hosts are intentionally glossing over one of the most important topics of the modern era. Whenever this crucial issue is brought up, Chris immediately shuts it down, obviously due to a hidden personal agenda. It's not an overstatement to say that I'm speaking for the silent majority of the fan base here. Mm. We want... An extended five-hour episode deconstructing feminist glaciology. What are huh? you trying to hide, Chris? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, look. Well, gee. What's what's the username again? Milk milk and Toast. Milk and Toast, when you're right, you're right. That's all I can say. The people are asking for it, Chris. We need to decode the feminist glaciology paper. No, we need to. No, 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 we
1: don't. Uh, well, we are. We are. Somebody has suggested that we cover it on the Decoding Academia series because it's an academic paper. So we we oh, I, yeah. we may actually read it and you know do a review of it. But but if you want to hear that, mm. <laughs> you, you'd have to be a Patreon at the five dollar a month level, Matt. Well, a I small, guess I guess a poultry sum, a poultry sum. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, one thing could be said for our review of that paper, which is makes it you know better than ninety seven percent of all other takes on the paper, is that we've actually read it, Um, and we'd even read it again. We'd read it again gladly, with joy in our hearts.
1: Um, (laughs) That wouldn't go that far, but we'll read it again.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's quite an it's an entertaining paper. It's it's a fun read. Well, not... Don't give people
1: free previews. <laughs> that's, no, 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 okay. Yeah, the, I gotta keep, I gotta to keep my take secret. People in. That's right. Keep them in. Hot takes. You want those hot takes? cost you Five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just sign up and listen to it and then cancel before the payment comes out. You can't. You can't. That's, can do that's that. possible yeah. to do. Yeah. So yeah. there's options yeah. available. Options available. We don't, we don't.
0: condone it. We don't condone that. But you no, can. No,
1: we do not. Don't do that; would be terrible. But it's an option. Um, <laughs> so, if you didn't want to be like that, though, and you wanted to be a a kind-hearted and good person, you could be like our patrons, and we we're gonna thank them. Matt, a couple of them. I I wonder: Are you intending to declare your undying love to each individual one, or or would you like not to do that this week?
0: Chris, I think it was a bridge too far, um, going for full-throated love. Maybe I could ratchet it back to, uh, fondness. I could talk about fondness. how fond I am of them and maybe I could do it as a group. Uh, okay. We'll
1: than... do it as a, we'll do it as a collective group.
0: Cause I feel the same way about all of them. It's still individual and special for every one of them. It's just, it happens to be the same feelings. So depending all, on their tier, de- depending on the <laughs> yeah. tier, obviously, obviously.
1: Yes. Okay. So in that case, for the galaxy brain gurus, the shining stars in the Patreon sky, we have Adam Taylor, uh, Mark K, Paul Taylor, and I embrace the void. Now philosophers in space, my brain is hurting. Did we do him before?
0: No, I've not. I've never heard that
1: before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would remember. I embrace. I embrace the void. Now, philosophers in space. My brain is hurting. That is the last Great. galaxy brain guru for this one.
0: Okay, guys and girls, I I'm so very very fond of you. What I wish we could do is we could just go for a long walk together, holding hands if, if we, we wanted to, you know, you know, feeling the sun on our face and the wind at our back. Just you know, talking of. Everything and nothing. That's what I wish we could do together.
1: Wow. Sounds sounds nice. So that's what that's what the Galaxy brains get. How about the revolutionary geniuses? Who this week would include Linz, XXXAAA, Don't, don't think that's their name, but it could be an unknown son of Elon Musk. Nick Boyle. Des Ebowa. And Janny Jelkvist. Oh, oh, and And Per Adolfsson. Per Adolfsson as well. Per
0: Adolfsson as well. All all of you. I'm very, very, very fond of you as well. What I wish we could do is we could go on a picnic. You know, we'd pack some sandwiches, maybe a bottle of wine. And, uh, you know, lay the blanket out by a river, perhaps. And, you know, there'd be bees, but I'd chew them away. And, you know, ants would come and I'd, I'd pick them off the sandwiches. It would be, we'd have a lovely day, I promise. So, you know, call me. Call me.
1: That's good. And I will say, Matt, I don't know, it is probably divulging personal information that I shouldn't, but Per Adelson has an image attached to his user account on Patreon. And hmm. he's a striking bearded man, like a handsome ah, bearded man. I really want to, go to... In ah. his beard. He has various, <laughs> like, kind of Christmas tree style ornaments hanging from his large beard. So, He's, uh, you know, you would have a great time with him. I'm very impressed with his, his user image. I'm presuming it's him. I, I imagine, yes. you know, he could have just taken an image from the internet, but it's it's striking.
0: It sounds like great picnic material. That's, he's top of the list.
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I'll, I'll even join you <laughs> if he's there <laughs> and he's wearing that in his beard. And that is um an accurate representation. So, so thanks, Pear. Excellent. Yeah. There we go. Okay, um,
0: next con- t- next tier. Is this the top tier or the bottom tier? I just need to moderate. It's not my the fondness. bottom,
1: Matt. No, there is no bottom tier. It is oh, simply the tier that pays the least money. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. all. Um, so this tier includes Daniel Farley, Premium Select, Emmett Nelson Porter, Evan Cress, Emma Chant, Tom Howard, Andrea Kilios, and Susan Abernson. Abramson. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, thanks everybody. Um infinitely better uh, than the people who are not patrons whatsoever. So um that's worth keeping in mind. Look, I'm very fond of them too, Chris. What could we do together? We've we've done gone for a walk, we've done gone for a picnic. You know what? I we should all go and and see a movie, like an old fashioned movie, like It's a Wonderful Life or North by oh, Northwest that's a good movie. or something. Yeah, you know, and uh, afterwards we'd grab a coffee, we'd talk about the movie. I just want to hear everything that you're thinking about. Um, it'd be great.
1: Mm, that's nice. That's nice. I was going to say you could go scuba diving, but that's probably too, too much. Too confront. It's too confronting.
0: Is- Many people like you are afraid of fish, so. Um,
1: True. Probably it's not a kind it. of relaxed thing that you just do with people you're fond of. It's a no. yeah, a traumatic bonding experience. So. <laughs> yeah. That- you Patreons, all of you are not trauma bonded to us just just parasocially and financially entangled Linked. and so <laughs> entangled. yeah And responsible for all our output so we appreciate that and the shared responsibility that you provide us if all the people are interested in bonus content or that kind of thing early access to the interviews they can go join the patreon but you don't have to there's other ways that you could follow us you could you could join the subreddit. You could offer your takes there. You can abuse us on Twitter. You'd need to find us first, which we'd need. You'd need our usernames, or they'd be useful for you. Mine is c underscore Kavanaugh. Very cunning. Matts is r for c Den. and the uh, podcast specific account is gurus pod. You can also find us Facebook, Instagram. There's a Discord. There are things around, and there's decoding. The the gurus at gmail.com. If you want to send us emails. That's
0: right. You can do all of those things, some of those things, or none of those things. It is entirely up to you. You have agency. You may or may not have free will. We're not sure. But you know, you can definitely either do or not do any of those things. But you know, it's your responsibility.
1: True. The position of the podcast is that you do have an autobiographical self. Sorry, that's a no <laughs> that- You can't listen. If you don't have that, you're... You're not allowed to listen. So just hang no. up now or hang up. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, just hang up your phone call and turn off your podcast if you don't have an autobiographical self because yeah. we don't want you guys here, you yeah. you disassociated zombies. Um, uh, That's so, right. No
0: P zombies. No. This, uh, this no P zombies.
1: Exp- no enlightened beings. Get feedback to your Sam Harris waking up app and enjoy that. That's a hard line. I'm sorry. It's harsh, but you know. It's, right. it's, everybody it's
0: our, has it's, their lines it, it, you know it's like they say when you call up one of those big corporations I just said that's sorry that's our policy that's our policy Chris it is like, you can't, it, it can't, was can't the be first changed, thing we agreed on <laughs> yeah it's <First, laughs> in the first manifesto
1: Lay down. <laughs> check the terms and conditions um, so okay that's it for this week that was fun and we'll be doing all our gurus I can't remember who it is now Matt so I'm just going to tell you to go gravel at the feet of your muscle master
0: All right. I can't think of anything more to say, so I will just say yes.
1: It was drowned on here. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.